0: Please, Daniel 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the world, the words of the scroll, until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. You may be seated.
1: Just one correction in the bulletin, this is not part seven, but it is entitled Sam Hill. For the last 2,580 messages that I've written, I've always written the sermon first and then found a song that fits in afterwards. This one is has reversed the process. I found a song, and they decided to write a sermon about it. And the song was revealed to me, it's really, and it also will also be able to sing it at that time. And uh, it's really, really meant a lot to me, because it speaks so much into the situation that we find ourselves as believers at this very difficult time. So our main focus will be Revelation chapter 5, And uh, we'll be working our way through the first part of that chapter. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house with your people. And thank you that uh, we again are able to celebrate Christmas. And we know that the coming of Christ was the event that changed everything. And uh, nothing has been able to diminish what happened because Jesus was here. He lived here. He ministered here. He died and rose again. And uh, we look ahead to the full impact of what that means for us on earth. And we thank you for your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas was... uh, Such an impactful event changed everything. Well, not exactly everything. Because even after Christmas, the world is still broken. And we have to know why. And we want to know how long. Now, to be honest, I have to admit I'm pretty gullible because during my life, there were times when I believed that humanity was actually going to get it, going to improve. For example, the hippie movement in the 60s gave many of us hope for a better world. It was the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Down with the establishment. Don't trust anyone over 30. We had it all figured out. And then the Vietnam War finally ended. Now we're getting somewhere. And then Richard Nixon resigned because of the Watergate scandal. Maybe now things are going to improve. And then the Berlin Wall was torn down. And we don't have to be afraid of nuclear annihilation anymore. And then apartheid ended. And then we survived Y2K and welcomed in a new millennium. We were hoping things were going to get better. But 9-11 shattered that hope. And so as we look around and see the debris of the American dream, we realize that our world is still broken. Because you can get rid of Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, but evil abhors the vacuum. And so the fallen ones are replaced by those even more wicked than their predecessors. And we've seen how through ISIS the reign of terror continues. And instead of peace on earth, goodwill towards men, every week we hear of more tragedies suicide bombers killing dozens in restaurants and shopping malls, heavily armed shooters firing into crowds of people in places like Orlando and Vegas, gunmen entering schools and churches and slaughtering their victims without mercy. Our world is still broken. The curse is still with us and creation continues to groan. And you can add so many things to that list. The incomprehensible evil of sex trafficking, the heartbreaking plight of refugees and those who are devastated by hurricanes and wildfires. There continue to be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines in many places. And then there's the tragedies we don't hear about, like the persecution of Christians, in over 50 countries in our world. Why is this still happening? Pulitzer Prize-winning author Annie Dillard writes, "The the chief theological question of all time is, what in the Sam Hill is going on here anyway? And we're beginning to ask that same question in our somewhat less glorious and free country. Because in recent months, we've come to realize that the followers of Christ are still despised and rejected in a fallen world. Various aspects of our government have made decisions that are hostile to Christian schools and churches and universities. Here's one very recent item, and on this item, there's an allergy alert because this is positively nuts. Our... The Minister of Education is going to remove the funding from 61 Christian schools because of unacceptable language, which violates the school act. What unacceptable language is this? Well, it comes from their statement of faith, which reads, We believe men and women were created in the image of God and after His likeness, and therefore have transcendent and intrinsic worth. And he told us that is unwelcoming, uncaring, and disrespectful. Sam Hill, are you kidding? What is going on here? Well, it's no surprise because we live in a culture that is totally committed to legalizing sin, celebrating immorality, and promoting perversion. This is a world that is broken. It's Sam Hill all over again. What is going on? Well, that's what's happening now. But I want to tell you what's going to happen next. What is God going to do about this? Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Incidentally, let me tell you, this is probably the chapter that Satan fears more than any other because this represents his doom. So here's a scroll in the hand of the one who sits on the throne. Historians point out that this is how important wills were prepared in ancient times. The last will and testament of Caesar Augustus was sealed this way to prevent unauthorized tampering, sealed so that nothing could be added or taken away. So what exactly is this document? Well, the passage read earlier in Daniel 12 gives us some indication. It says there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then, But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there and increase knowledge. Is that the internet or what, huh? I don't know, but it's pretty close. So here we have this scroll that ends up in the hand of the one who is sitting on the throne. And it turns out that this scroll contains the title deed to a piece of real estate. Located somewhere out in the edge of the universe, a small planet orbiting a minor star, third rock from the sun. This is the last will and testament of planet Earth. And the document contains instructions for the release of the estate. Now we have to understand that the original transaction can be traced back all the way to the days of Adam and Eve, where in Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Unfortunately, Adam squandered his inheritance and paradise was lost which meant that property values declined dramatically. And this is where it gets complicated. If Adam forfeited his estate, who currently holds the lease? Well, fast forward to the fullness of time when the Son of God came to inspect the property, and he was met by a very ambitious real estate agent who was prepared to make Jesus an offer he couldn't refuse. Let's not talk about price. Money is no object. Here is my best offer. Matthew 4, verse 8. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Just, uh, just my commission. Sam Hill? Are you kidding this is all yours? All of this, all these kingdoms are yours? Well, what will you see about that? For Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He would bind the strong man, and he would confiscate his property, and he would set the captives free. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Mission accomplished. There was only one problem. The possession date. Because John chapter 3 verse 19 says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil the majority of the tenants preferred their current landlord. When Pilate gave the crowds a choice, they picked Barabbas. It was almost unanimous. Well, then what about Jesus? Ha! Crucify him. And so Satan held on to his dominion, and we know that because when we go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, which, happened, which was written decades after the crucifixion and resurrection... John says there's two things we know. We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The possession date has been delayed and that's why the world is still broken. That's why the thief continues to kill and steal and destroy its business as usual. Lasting change can never happen until this document is opened. But that requires a qualified redeemer. Verse 2 says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? W.A. Criswell writes, When a Jewish family forfeited their land through some distress, the property could not be permanently taken from them. Their losses were listed in a scroll that was sealed seven times, and the conditions necessary to purchase back the land were written on the outside of the scroll. When a qualified redeemer could be found to meet the requirements of the reclamation, the property could be returned to the original owners. So the redeemer had to be a blood relative, a son of Adam. So, who will step forward, take that document, and break the seals? Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Come on, somebody Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul, John, Mary. Who is worthy? St. Augustine, Francis of Assisi, John Paul II. Who is worthy? Aristotle, Socrates, Buddha, Mohammed. Who is worthy? Lincoln, Einstein, Mandela. King Arthur was the only one who could pull the the, the the sword from the stone. Maybe he is the one who should do it. Who is worthy? Billy Graham, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa. Who is worthy? Trump, <laughs> Trudeau. Politicians are possibly the most naive people in our society because they confidently believe that they have the power to fix a broken world. <laughs> but nothing significantly is going to change until that scroll is opened. Verse 3 says, But no one in heaven, on earth and under the earth, could open the scroll or even look inside it. And that meant that all of the tragedies would continue. You know, the only thing that made it bearable were the promises of God's word that someday these horrors would cease. That swords would be refashioned. That there would be peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But no one was found worthy to break the seals and initiate the destruction of Satan's dominion. Verse 4 says, I wept and wept. John wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scrolls or look inside. He was absolutely heartbroken. It's never going to change. John weeps at the thought that this sustaining hope will never come to pass. Chriswell writes, John's tears represent the grief of all of God's people. The tears of Adam and Eve as they hold their dead son Abel and sense the awful consequences of their disobedience. They are the tears of the Hebrews in bondage in Egypt, crying out to God for deliverance from their affliction. And we could add there even the tears of Jesus who looked across the valley at Jerusalem and wept, Oh, how I've longed to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. But you were not willing I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. No Redeemer could be found, which means the world would be doomed to remain in Satan's control, which, of course, the majority would have no problem with that. People don't like to change. But for the righteous, this was unbearable grief. I wept and wept. Verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. There was someone worthy, someone from the tribe of Judah in the royal dynasty of David. He was a family member of the original owners, and his stature is impressive. Majestic, like a lion, for he has triumphed. And that's exactly what we need, because the devil is also described in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need someone majestic and mighty to open that scroll and overcome Satan. Alpha male lions do not tolerate rivals, so let's get ready to rumble. Thank God there is a lion to fight against the enemy of our souls. And that's exactly what the Israelites expected. A Messiah coming to deliver them with power and fury. So where is the lion? I don't see him. There's no lion here. Verse 6. Then I saw a lamb. Looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Where did he come from? John hadn't even noticed him before. He was so mesmerized by the aristocracy of heaven, the angels and the archangels, the seraphim and the cherubim, the living creatures and the elders, he didn't even notice the lamb. John was waiting for a lion. He was not expecting a lamb. Then I saw a lamb, looking as as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set out into all the earth. Well, obviously, this is no ordinary lamb. The seven horns symbolize omnipotence, The seven eyes symbolize omniscience. He sees everything. But what good is a lamb when you need a lion? Sam Hill. It says in verse 7, He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Whoa! How about that? The lamb that was slain is going to take the scroll. No one else had dared approach the throne. because No one was worthy. But the Lamb takes the scroll. And so this is the climactic moment of Revelation. This means that the estate is now going to be settled. The eviction notice will be served. And he's not going to get a damage deposit. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 8, And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You may wonder why your prayers haven't been answered yet. This is why. Although God has answered many of our prayers, there is still a lot of unfinished business. Well, this moment is the fulfillment of all the prayers that have ascended heavenward from this planet, crying out for justice, for mercy, and for help. And this is why we never gave up, because this is what we were waiting for. Verse 9 says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You are worthy, not because you expelled the Romans. Not because you emptied the hospitals or discharged all of the death row population incarcerated in the cemeteries. Not because you won an election by an overwhelming margin, but you were worthy because you were slain. Slain? What, in the Sam Hill? No, the hill is called Calvary. That's where where Jesus of Nazareth, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed. So the one who was despised and rejected on earth is the only one worthy in heaven. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language, and people, and nation. What an encouragement this would be to the believers in the first century because they knew that Jesus had defeated death and triumphed over the devil. But why were they still facing hardship and hunger and persecution? Why did it look like the enemy was still in control? Even after the resurrection, the roaring lion was still on the prowl. Based on their circumstances, it looked like the powers and principalities of darkness had successfully engineered some kind of cosmic coup and overthrown the one who sits on the throne. Looking at the New Testament church at the time Revelation was written, it looked like Satan had won. And if we look at Canada today, you know, we see that Satan has made tremendous gains in recent years. You know, we've lost the culture wars on abortion. Whether it's Stephen Hawking or young Sheldon, science has declared itself triumphant over Scripture because facts always defeat faith. Evolution has made the Creator irrelevant. We have a reverence in movies that has escalated to the point where the name of Jesus is used with every vulgar profanity, obscenity, and blasphemy you can possibly imagine. You see, you can do that, but you can't mention the name of Jesus in a positive sense because people might be offended. And now the constitutional rights of the church are being systematically challenged and destroyed. It looks like Satan has won. But that's fake news. That's an alternative fact. Revelation 5 tells us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The Lamb that was slain is worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth forever. Now, the full impact of Satan's defeat will be applied to earth as it already is in heaven. And Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, because the Lamb that was slain was worthy to open the scroll. And the exciting thing is that we are 2,000 years closer to that point than the New Testament church was. So all we can say is, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. You came in the fullness of time at Bethlehem, vulnerable and weak, And then you were slain as a helpless lamb, but soon you will come again in victory and power. You will come like a lion to reign forever and ever. So in the meantime, we join our voices with the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 who encircle the throne And in a loud voice they sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. So the key question is not, what in the Sam Hill? The key question is, who is worthy So let me ask you some skill testing questions. Do you feel the world is broken? You. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you wish that you could make you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. is a new creation coming? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? is anyone able to break the seals and open the scroll? Now watch this.